Chapter 6 Country Road Webb climbed into Dale Jr.'s F-150 truck at the crack of dawn on New Year's Day. Conway Twitty was ringing out through the radio. Webb took a sip of coffee from his travel mug and turned the volume down. He'd spent most of the previous night trying to figure out what to do about Jamie, and he didn't really want a soundtrack to remind him of her first thing in the morning on the first day of the year. Tell me again what we're looking for, Webb said, yawning as they drove out of town. New hunting spot, his brother replied. I've heard there's a bunch of bobwhite quails out this way, and William's never gotten one. Lovely, Webb replied. And as someone who spends his days trying to save animals' lives, why is it I'm out here trying to find a place for you to kill them? And why was it so important to go today after we were all up late last night? Mama, Dale Jr. replied. Ah, Webb nodded. I'll just cut to the chase. She thinks something's going on between you and Jamie. It's really none of my business, but now she's made it my business. So is there? No, Webb said quietly. We're just friends. We both like to run. That's it. You sure? Dale asked. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? Yeah, I think it might, Webb replied. Why? It's been almost a year. I don't want to talk about it, Webb said. Dale started whistling along with the music, then turned left and headed up Coffee Mountain on the edge of town, and they rode for a couple of minutes, the only car on the road at that hour. Guess it's none of my business, but how's your marriage? Webb asked. How's my marriage? Dale echoed. What does that mean? I don't know, Webb sighed. His oldest brother had never been the easiest to talk to, even though he wasn't as antagonistic as Shane. Are y'all happy? Are things still satisfying after all these years? Dale looked at him across the seat and rolled his eyes. Our marriage is fine. Miss Melody doesn't exactly like me to kiss and tell, but yes, things are still plenty satisfying, he said. Dale glowered at him, and Webb dropped his eyes to his lap. Softening his tone, Dale continued. She's great, actually. She keeps us all in line, me included, and we laugh a lot. There's something to be said for that. Webb nodded, then looked out the window, his jaw pulsing. But look, his brother continued, there's something to be said for digging down when things get tough, too. I know things weren't always easy between you and Taylor, but you would have done the right thing for her, stuck it out and been supportive in everything. And now with Jamie, it just seems like... It's more complicated than that, Webb interrupted, turning back to him. Fine, it's complicated. But when the woman you've had a thing for your whole life shows up on your doorstep, don't you think you should pay attention? I think you'll kick yourself into next week if you miss this chance. What do you mean, my whole life? Oh, Webb, come on. Dale had a disbelieving expression as he opened a palm towards his brother. You knew? Webb pressed, feeling his ears and neck redden. Everyone knew, bud, he replied. The way your face looked every time James would mention her name. The way you watched her when she'd be home at Christmas. Like a dog watching you eat a steak dinner through the screen door. Just always thought I'd done a better job of keeping my feelings to myself, Webb muttered. Dale chuckled, then clapped him on the shoulder with a massive right hand, strong from years of holding welding tools at work and hunting equipment on the weekends. The brothers were the same height, but Webb's wiry physique was more like his mother's. While he wouldn't have admitted it, his older brother's physical presence was still intimidating. He fiddled with the crank-style window handle as Dale continued. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say everyone knew. Just for those of us who know you well, you've always had your heart on your sleeve. That's not always a bad thing. 
Miss Melody probably wishes I'd show my feelings a little more. Webb hated the idea that his secret torch hadn't been as secret as he'd thought. But since his brother knew more than he'd realized already, maybe he could talk to him about what had really happened with Taylor. Listen, about Taylor, though, Webb started. No, Dale cut him off. I'm sure Taylor didn't know about your feelings for Jamie, unless you were dumb enough to tell her. Or maybe not, Webb thought, stung by the harshness in his brother's tone. Dale's limit for talking about their feelings had apparently been reached. He turned onto a dirt road, and Webb finally looked out the window to take in their surroundings. Hey, where are we anyway? he asked, changing the subject. Out here by the Mayfield house. You remember those old stories? Webb chuckled as Dale parked the truck and they got out to walk through the trees. He started to tell Dale about the time he'd come up here on a dare in high school when he caught a glimpse of the house itself. He shivered as a slight breeze rustled through the pines. As his brother inspected one of the side trails for hunting possibilities, Webb walked through a stand of trees to get a closer look. The sun was rising behind the house, casting it in a light pink glow. The beauty of the old house caught him by surprise, and he had a sudden desire to walk through it. Hey, Dale, he called quietly. I'll be right back. It looked like it might be half a mile down the dirt driveway, and a lot of the acreage around it was grown over. He squinted to see a small clearing to the side of the house. That might just work for a garden, he murmured, peering closer to see how flat the ground was. He couldn't quite make it out and turned his attention back to the house again. What would it be like to fix this thing up, he wondered, to make this old place good again? She sure is a beauty, he whispered. His own house had been restored by the time he'd bought it, built post-Civil War, and updated 30 years ago by a family enamored with that era, so he'd never walked through the process of fixing one up from start to finish. He found himself intrigued by the idea, as well as the thought of living out this far with a little more quiet than he had in town. He felt something inside him settling, like a bird had softly landed in his soul. Hey, you ready? Dale called. He jumped. Oh, um, yeah, he responded, walking toward his brother and giving the house one more look over his shoulder. They got back in the truck, and Dale started it, put it in reverse, then paused and stared at Webb. Look, I've done my duty as far as Mama's concerned. Just figure this out, and whichever way you go, don't be stupid about Jamie. It's not fair to her either. Fish or cut bait, man. Webb's jaw clenched again, and he nodded tersely as his thoughts turned to prayer. God, you've not given me much direction on this, but is this the way you're leading? Can I really go forward with her? Have I done enough to make up for my mistakes with Taylor? As they drove down the mountain, he still heard only silence, but he hung on to the settled feeling the house had given him wondering if being with her could possibly feel like that, too. Hey, Jamie said as she opened the back door to let Webb in. Happy New Year and happy birthday. Thanks for coming over after church. I hope I didn't keep you from having cake. No problem, he replied. Mama's bringing a red velvet one over later this afternoon. Y'all have a good trip? She smiled and nodded. It was nice. Hank's parents are lovely people, and they never knew about the problems between us, so it was good to all be together this year. How about y'all? How were the fireworks at the river? It was okay, he nodded. About the same as most years. He looked around. So what'd you have in mind today? He seems tense, she thought, as she turned and walked back toward her father's office. 
Oh, well, I've been trying to go through some of Daddy's things. I don't want to rush it, but I figured I should start the process. I was looking through the books in his library, and he has a whole section on gardening. Somehow that doesn't surprise me, Webb chuckled. She grinned. I know. Once he got interested in something, he did a deep dive. They walked into the office, where her father's large cherry desk and oversized leather chair remained fixtures in the center of the room. Bookshelves lined the walls, and Jamie turned on a lamp in the corner. He never liked the overhead light in here, she said, smiling sadly. He said he couldn't think as well with it on. Webb only smiled in response and started to scan the bookshelves closest to the desk. Everything okay? she asked. You're quiet today. Yeah, sure, he responded, continuing to browse through the books. Just trying to think through a few things. Oh, okay. Um, well, I just wondered if you might want them, she said, debating how much to push him to share as she went to the section she'd set aside. The books, I mean, she gestured. Really? He walked over to her, and she handed him a couple of the titles. Then she looked at him and smiled. What? he asked. You smell good, she said. Uh, thanks, he replied. No, I just, I mean, we're usually running and sweaty, and today you really, oh, never mind, she blushed. Why am I blushing, she thought. It's just Webb. He nudged her with his elbow and grinned. You do too. She felt her face get hotter. Good grief, Roman, stop blushing, she thought. Anyway, she said, swallowing hard, you're welcome to them if you want them. And not just the books. If there's anything else of his that would be special to you, you can have it. The night before he died, he talked about what a good man you are. You really meant a lot to him, Webb. She pulled in her stomach, trying to fight back the tears, but they started trickling down her face anyway. She was learning that grief was as unpredictable as an Alabama winter. Overwhelmed by emotion at unexpected times, she seemed to be just fine at others. Oh, I'm sorry, she whispered, wiping her eyes. I didn't mean to do this. His expression softened. He put down the book he'd been holding and pulled her to him in a gentle, protective hug. I'm sorry, she said again, as she leaned into him briefly, then pulled away, the smell of sandalwood staying with her. Was that cologne or just his aftershave? Whatever it was, it seemed to fit perfectly in a room full of books. It's okay, he replied. I'd love it. The, um, the books, I mean. Thank you. She walked to the other corner of the room and picked up a stack of books she'd pulled earlier. But really, she continued, why would he need three copies of the Alabama Law of Damages? Just in case, he chimed in and winked at her. Womp womp, she replied. He walked over to stand beside her and plucked one from the top shelf. Well, here's a fourth, he said, placing it on top of the others. What? No. Yep. I'm sorry, but how could a man who knew he was dying not settle some of this? You know, Webb said, I think he always kind of thought you'd come back and want to keep the house exactly the same way as he'd always had it. Oh, surely not, she replied, crouching to see if there was a fifth copy of the same book hiding out on the bottom shelf. Well, would you look at that, he said, holding out a framed picture that had been positioned in front of the complete Foxfire series. Little Jamie, look how serious you are. She stood and studied more closely a picture of herself from when she was about five years old, sitting at her father's desk and wearing his glasses along with a stern expression. He told me to pretend I was going to court, she murmured, then sighed. I remember that girl. She thought she was going to take over the world. 
She didn't know what a big job that was. She's still in there, you know, Webb said quietly. Jamie glanced at him and realized this man, her oldest friend, might know her better than anyone else in her life. You think? she asked. Yeah, he said. Even though you don't climb as many trees these days, you've always been that girl. Once you put your mind to something, no one can stop you. Anything you take on, you do 110 times better than anyone else could. You're, well, you're amazing, Doc. He always thought so, and I do too. I mean, you know I've been calling you Doc since way before you made it official. Unable to stop herself, she started to cry again, and he returned the picture to the shelf and hugged her tightly. Now don't start that again, he said, rubbing her back as she let her head linger on his chest. She'd had no idea how good it would feel to lean on him and no idea how perfectly she would fit in his arms. Here, let me help. You're also stubborn and occasionally ornery, and you work way too much. She laughed through her tears. Hey, what kind of best friend are you anyway? She asked. An honest one, he replied. She lifted her head off his chest and raised her eyes to look at him. They stared at each other a moment, and she suddenly wondered if he was going to kiss her. Wait, did she want him to kiss her? Mostly, he whispered brushing her tears away, then letting his hand drop. She started to ask him what he meant, but instead just gave him a quick kiss on the cheek. Thanks, she said, stepping farther away and wiping her eyes again. I needed that. Anytime, he replied. Let me know if you need help with any more of this, too. It's a tough job, and you shouldn't push yourself to go through all this too fast. That's good advice, she said, nodding, and trying not to think about how she wanted to step right back into his arms. Okay. Hey, see you tomorrow morning? I stuck to the schedule, but I really missed running with you. Of course, he replied. We'll pick up right where we left off. Webb walked through the Roman's backyard and into his garden and stood still for a moment. He'd always loved the quiet of the garden in winter, the tomato vines as bare as the branches on the oak trees a few feet away. If you were still enough, you could hear a mockingbird or a brown thrush but you mostly heard a breeze here and another there, rustling the leaves on the ground around you. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound, but can't tell whence it cometh or goeth. So is everyone born of the Spirit, he whispered. Being in James's office had put him in the King James frame of mind, but he couldn't quote it as well as the old man could. As he walked toward his house, he wondered why anyone ever bothered to rake leaves. They always looked so pretty carpeting the grass sepia on light green this time of year, and the sun sent shadows dancing through them in patterns. He opened the back door, carrying the stack of books Jamie had given him and holding on to the feeling of her pressed next to him, her lips brushing his cheek. He knew it hadn't meant the same to her as it had to him. At least, he didn't think it did. But there was something different in her expression that made him think maybe it could. And he had really liked being the one she leaned on even just for a minute. He couldn't push his feelings away any longer. He was in love with Jamie. Always had been, apparently always would be. He wanted to be with her. He wanted to let himself open up to her and tell her his feelings after all these years. If I tell her this, though, and she doesn't feel the same way, it could wreck our friendship. But if she does... As he walked up the stairs to his room, his breath caught at the idea that she might feel the same way, what it would mean, what a life with her could look like. He was used to the guilt creeping in at this point, 
But this time, there was hope mixed in with it, the warmth of even the possibility of her love pushing the guilt to the back of his mind. He laughed quietly. There was a little fear there, too, if he were being completely honest with himself. He set the books on the nightstand and walked to the window to look again at the brown, empty garden. It looked like nothing, but he knew there was plenty there, just below the surface, ready to burst out in the spring. He glanced up. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing the metaphor, God, he prayed. But what's next? How do you pursue someone you've known your whole life and been in love with almost as long? Do I ask her out? That seems weird. Confess that I've loved her for, oh, the last 30 years or so and see how fast she can run out of town? Maybe just let things happen. The thought came to him, and he found himself nodding. Maybe don't fight it. Just plant a few seeds and trust the process the same way he did for the garden to grow. He nodded again. That seemed right. Okay, let's do that, he whispered. But I'm trusting you to straighten me out if I'm wrong on this. For the next few weeks, Jamie and Webb trained for the annual Mercedes Marathon in Birmingham, continuing to increase their distance and improve her pace. Webb could have run a marathon in his sleep, she thought, but she was proud of how much work she had put into it. It felt like the right kind of project to take on, and she felt like she was somehow running for her dad. She couldn't imagine doing this with anyone else either. Over the last six months, she and Webb had had some of the best conversations of her life talking through theology and journalism, politics and parenting. He was so intelligent and funny, keeping her laughing even while he was making deep observations about life. Okay, not always deep observations, she thought, chuckling as she remembered their run the day before. She'd mentioned the fartlek picante training she'd done with a running coach a few years ago, and he couldn't stop making spicy fart jokes. She bit her lip and felt a smile tugging at the corner of her mouth as she wondered, too, about the overall consistency of his life. He showed up to run, day after day, with never a complaint. And it seemed like that was the way he showed up at work, at home, at church. What kind of a man does that, she wondered. The 18-year-old version of herself would have seen that kind of life as incredibly boring, but the 40-something Jamie found it more attractive every day. She locked her front door behind her, stuck the key under the mat, and ran out to meet Webb who was jogging at the end of her driveway. Somehow he looked even taller, wearing layers of all black, along with gloves and an Alabama toboggan, and her heart did a tiny flip she tried again to ignore. Ever since the day he'd hugged her in her dad's office, she'd been trying not to think about her growing feelings for him. Feelings she wasn't sure how to deal with just yet. She shivered and wondered if she should have put on one more layer herself as she ran down the sidewalk. She was used to the cold in Connecticut, but this felt damper somehow, like it soaked all the way into her bones. Long run today, right? She asked, her breath fogging into the still dark early morning sky. The marathon was two weeks away, and this was the day they were slated to run a full 20 miles. Yep. What do you think? You up for a different route? I guess. Where do you want to go? Let's go up the mountain, he said. No, she groaned. We haven't trained for that much of an incline. Oh, come on, Doc. It'll be fun. I'll give you a push if you need it. He winked at her, and she felt her cheeks get red. She was sure they were red already from the 30-degree weather, and she was glad he wouldn't be able to tell she was blushing. Fine, old man. Let's see what you got. Old man. All of six months older, Missy. Now you're in for it. 
they headed away from downtown in the opposite direction than their usual circuit. After a few miles of relatively level surface, they started up Coffee Mountain, straining uphill for a solid mile until they hit a flatter spot. At that point, she slowed to a brisk walk and bent in half to catch her breath. Hey, no hands on knees, he said, jogging in place. Remember Coach Noah's rule. She stood straighter, then gave him as much of a shove as she could muster. Why, she laughed in spite of herself. You'll see, he replied. Come on, let's keep going. They ran up a more gentle incline, then he took a turn on a side street, navigating through a rough two-laned road. Where in the world are we going, she asked. When was the last time you were on a dirt road, he replied. Um, I have no idea, actually, she panted. Then it's been too long. Let's go. Trust me. She started to retort that she didn't trust anybody when she realized she actually did trust him. They kept running, then made another turn off the street and onto a sandy road that had almost as steep an incline as the mountain itself. At the top, she bent only slightly this time and took a huge breath. Webb, for real, why are we up here? He grabbed her by the shoulders and spun her around to look in the opposite direction. That's why, he said. The sun was rising and she squinted toward it, through a clearing in the sparse trees. Behind a long abandoned cotton field and further down a dirt driveway, she could just make out a federal-style house, two stories, white brick, though the paint was peeling. Half of the shutters were hanging off and the front porch looked huge, albeit slightly unstable. Two chimneys at each gable end, though, gave it a more balanced appearance. She wanted to move in that instant. Is this the Mayfield home? she asked. I heard the stories ages ago, but I don't think I've ever actually seen it. His hands were still on her shoulders, and he leaned closer to her, pointing over her right shoulder to one of the upper story windows. That's the one they say Mrs. Mayfield was standing at when the lightning struck her. They say on stormy nights you can still see her face in the window. Her eyes widened and she looked over her shoulder at him, then suddenly realized how close his face was to hers. Quickly looking back at the house, Jamie said, She's falling apart, but she's perfect. He gave her shoulders a small squeeze, then moved his hands. Jamie didn't know if she was relieved or disappointed. How do you know it's a she? he asked. Because she just told me, Jamie laughed. I don't know, it just, it's perfect. Like, everything's a mess, but think of the history. Think of the beauty this house held. Think about what it could be. Had a hunch you'd like it, Webb said. I'm glad I was right. Was it worth the run? She smiled at him. His deep brown eyes were starting to wrinkle at the sides, but it somehow made him more likable and more attractive, she admitted. Definitely worth the run, she said. Okay, let's head back then. We're only halfway done. She groaned. Coach Noah's got nothing on you. <laughs> He'll be glad to hear that, Webb laughed. The run downhill wasn't as bad as uphill, but she still had to remind herself to keep her core tight to make sure she didn't fall. Her mind kept drifting back to the house, and she found herself wondering what it would be like to take on a home renovation. She'd never even considered something like that, but there was no reason not to do it. Unless she decided not to stay here. A house like this required a commitment. As they made their way back into town, she asked, Do you think anybody owns it? Honestly, I don't know, he replied. I wasn't even sure it was still standing, but I took a drive out there with Dale a few weeks ago. It really is pretty when the sun's coming up over it like that. Looks like the land needs some clearing, but it sure would be a good place for a garden. 
You know, I've been meaning to ask you about that since I moved home, she said. You turned into quite the farmer right in the middle of town. Where in the world did that come from? Oh, it was something your daddy and I started together a few years ago, he replied, as they headed back onto Main Street, at his insistence. What? she said. He never told me it was his idea. Oh, he ran the show for sure. He suggested what to plant and where. You know good and well his suggestions usually weren't optional. And I did all the work while he'd stand out there and talk about how gardening could be a metaphor for anything in life. She couldn't believe there was yet another layer to his relationship with her father. It takes time, Webb, and patience to cultivate growth. Take this summer squash, for instance, he said in a perfect imitation of James. Just like raising children, you've got to give it the right amount of soil, rain, sun, and fertilizer. Resources, you know, and you've got to ensure it's protected. Then, of course, you reap the harvest much later than you do the planting and the caretaking. She busted out laughing and started to ask another question when she suddenly tripped over a high place in the sidewalk. It was the same spot she knew to dodge every day, but she'd been looking at him instead of paying attention. She felt herself tripping, then rolling, banging her head and trying to stop herself with her hands as she cursed the residential sidewalks that hadn't been repaired along with the rest of the town. She winced as she quickly stood, then fell right back down, her pride stinging as much as her scraped hands and knees. She took a deep breath, stood again, and brushed the dirt and small rocks off her clothes. Whoa, 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 hang on there, Webb said. Don't move just yet. Let me look at you. You okay to stand? She nodded as he pulled back slightly and looked her over. His face was white, and he was breathing harder than usual at the end of their runs, almost hyperventilating. Are you okay? She asked. I'm fine. I just, geez, Jamie, your leggings are ripped. Your knee looks all busted. I think you're going to need stitches. Oh, the heck I do, she said. I'm just a little banged up. This is just like that time I fell out of your tree. You broke your arm that time, if you'll remember. You've got a nasty cut on your head, too. Let me check you for a concussion. He looked closely into her eyes, and despite the pain radiating through her body, she felt her breath catch again at how close he was. What day is it? Saturday. Month. February. He stared at her another moment, worry creasing his eyebrows and their frosty breath mingling in the cold. I'm fine, she said, really. Willing herself not to cry, she took one firm step forward, then stopped, pursing her lips against the pain. He wrapped his arm around her waist, pulled her right arm over his shoulder, and half carried her the remaining block back to her house. As soon as they got there, he set her on the porch and fished the key out from under the mat. Still cursing her clumsiness, she said, Everything's in the front bathroom cabinet. Band-aids, peroxide, cotton balls, or there might be a first aid kit. Can you just bring out whatever you find? He ran in and came outside with the first aid kit, George following closely at his heels. I still think we should get you to the urgent care place. And I still think I will stay right here. You sound exactly like your father. I know. George sat beside her, nudging her leg and sniffing with concern. It's okay, buddy, she said, giving him a quick scratch before turning her attention to her leg. She took a deep breath, opened the first aid kit, grabbed a cotton ball, and started swiping at her bare knee, scraping the tiny pieces of fabric and dirt out of the cuts. Ow, 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 she muttered. He looked at her incredulously, then took her hand and put it on the ground, leaving his on top of it longer than she thought might be necessary. You're not that kind of doctor, you know, he said, shaking his head. Oh, and you are? Oh, people are just a less nice version of animals, he responded. 
Right, George? She chuckled in spite of herself, then winced again. The cut on her head was really starting to sting. Sorry, but I think these are goners anyway, he said, as he grabbed a pair of small scissors and cut the front of her shredded leggings to her knee. He soaked a few cotton balls with peroxide and gently wiped everything clean, starting at the bottom of her leg and working up. His expression was focused and intense, and she realized this must be what he looked like when he was working. She felt completely safe in his steady hands. When his fingers got to the top of her now bare knee, she felt her breath catch again, and she put her hand on top of his to take the cotton ball from him. She let it rest there for just a second, then stammered softly, I, um, I can, I can get it. Thanks. Thank you. They stared at each other for a moment, and try as she might, she couldn't get her heart to stop hammering. He soaked another cotton ball and started to clean the cut on her forehead. She closed her eyes, then felt the back of his hand gently slide down the side of her face. She leaned into his warm touch, and she felt his thumb lightly trace her chin. What is even happening, she thought, wondering how close he would be if she opened her eyes. George whined from the doorway, and she reluctantly looked behind her at his mournful expression. We should get you inside where it's warmer, huh, buddy? she said. Webb jumped up as if nothing had just happened and gathered the first aid kit. She pushed herself off the step and cringed as she stood. His arm was instantly around her waist and she realized how comfortable she was starting to feel with that. He left the kit on the entry table, then helped her limp through the front room and hallway to the living room in the back of the house. When they got to the couch, he scooped her up, then set her down gently and propped a couple of throw pillows behind her. Good grief, Webb, I'm not completely out of commission. He gave her a small smile, then walked to the kitchen and flipped on the coffee maker. She gingerly took off her shoes and leaned back on the pillows. What had just happened out there? What was happening with them? Her mind was racing. If they started something and it didn't work out, that would ruin a 40-year friendship, not just with him, but with his family. But it was Webb. Why wouldn't it work out? He came back from the kitchen, perched on the far end of the couch, and peered at her. You still feeling okay? Dizzy? Nauseous? Anything? I'm fine, she insisted, swallowing hard and finding herself without anything else to say to him. She always knew what to say to him. Her heart hadn't slowed down since the run, and she took a long breath to steady herself. He stood and walked to the window, into the kitchen to check the coffee, then back to her. He balanced on the arm of the couch again and took off his toboggan, turning it over in his hands. I'm sorry, he said. I'm probably driving you crazy. I just realized you may not know about, um, Taylor, how she died. She fell down the steps at the office. They were iced over and she, uh, she slipped, hit her head, died instantly. So seeing you fall, I'm sorry, it just brought back some of that panic. Oh, man, I'm really sorry. I didn't know. Really, I didn't. You were there when it happened? That must have been so hard for you. Yeah, it was, he said, pinching his eyebrows, then standing again. But I guess everybody's got a hard luck story, you know? True, she said, but that doesn't make it any less hard. He nodded, then went into the kitchen and poured them both a cup of coffee. You take it black, right? He called. Yes, thanks, she responded. I don't mean to sound bitter or anything, he continued as he put the cups on the coffee table in front of the couch and sat at the opposite end. 
I actually do mean that in a way. Everybody's carrying something hard in their life, but you've still got to figure out how to manage it, I guess. So how do you do that? She asked. He took a sip of coffee and she picked hers up, letting the steam from the cup warm her face. Might sound like a Sunday school answer, but prayer helps, and I saw a counselor for a few months after. It's actually why I started running again. The counselor said I had to be sure to take care of myself. The physical goes with the mental, that kind of thing. Wasn't sleeping, just working all the time and taking care of Lace, not to mention constantly replaying that night in my head. This has been a good outlet. To run again, I mean. It had been a few years. Wait, what? I can't believe you ever stopped running. (laughs) Me neither. You know I never was able to sit still during high school. You know you still don't ever sit still. She nudged his leg with her toe, took a sip of coffee, and grinned. It was so easy to fall into the familiar back and forth with him. He smiled in return and thumped her toe, then let his hand rest on her ankle. Her heart started pounding again, and she took another sip of coffee to slow it down. So how do you manage it? The hard stuff, I mean, he asked, his dark brown eyes gazing at her. Running, just like you. You're right, it really does help. And George Jones, of course. I got him right before Hank and I separated. We'd gone through difficult patches for a long time, but the worst was when Amanda was in high school. I just couldn't take it anymore, and I threw him out. He said he wanted to work things out, but he—well, I won't get into all of it, but then he died before we officially divorced, and I've been running ever since. I was so angry at him, and angry at myself for staying with him as long as I did, and angry about how it all ended, so— I feel like I get all my anger out when I run, like I'm punching the pavement. She was aware she was sharing more with him than she had with anyone else about the problems their marriage had, and she was very aware that his hand was still on her ankle. You know, it's crazy, he said. I feel kind of the opposite, almost like all my anger and problems are being lifted out of me. Sometimes when I run, I don't even feel like my feet touch the ground. Like Luigi on Super Mario 2? He burst out laughing. Kind of. How many hours did we spend on that Nintendo? Oh, not that many, she said, sitting up to lean slightly towards him. Remember? You can't sit still. He put his coffee on the table and turned back towards her, his hand still on her uninjured leg. Was it her imagination, or was it inching closer to her knee? Did she want his hand on her leg? Her head was swimming, and she didn't think it was from her fall. Hey, he started, leaning towards her as well. I've been meaning to ask you something, too. I know we never went out or anything, but do you remember that time in high school, freshman year, when I... A low bark from George interrupted his question, and she heard the garbage truck coming down the street. Dang it, haven't put ours out yet, he said, giving her knee a small squeeze and sending a shockwave through the rest of her body. Guess I should go. He stood and took his coffee to the kitchen, and she realized she'd been holding her breath. She inhaled and exhaled slowly. Just be his friend, she thought. Just be as good a friend to him as he has been to you, and if there's something more, maybe just let it happen. Hey, listen, she called. I know you have Dale and Shane and your parents and all, but I'm here if you ever want to talk. I mean, if you ever just need somebody to listen. Well, you always were good at getting your sources to tell you all kinds of stuff. I remember that article about the Jefferson County Commission payouts. That was something else. You read my articles. She could have sworn he blushed. 
Oh, one or two that your daddy had around. <clears throat> thanks for the offer, Doc. Well, thanks for taking care of me today. I'm going to race the garbage truck home, but please let me come back and take you to get that knee scene about. I'm fine. Really, you've done enough already. You've been incredible. It was her turn to blush. And I have George here with me. That's okay. You can go. You should go. But you were incredible. Why didn't she want him to go? Why did he look so good after a 20-mile run? Why couldn't she think of another word than incredible? He stood just another moment, a wide grin on his face. Then he grabbed his toboggan and took off out the back door. She could see him sprinting through her yard and dodging the lawnmower in his that was just outside of the garage where he kept his garbage cans. She swallowed hard and took another sip of coffee, carefully moving her leg, which really didn't seem so bad after all. She sank back onto the couch pillows and wondered what would happen if she decided to stay. Tanner asked about her contract on a weekly basis, and she was happier here than she would have ever dreamed she could be. She loved this house, and after seeing the Mayfield house, saw the dream of another one. She'd made friends, she had a fulfilling job, and she had Webb. Did she have Webb? She hoped she did, because she was starting to think he sure did have her. Webb and Lacey sat at their dinner table, his leg bouncing involuntarily. He'd been on cloud nine since that morning. Jamie had seemed almost interested. If the garbage truck hadn't come along, would they have kissed? Is this what happens when you just let things happen? He chuckled at himself, realizing he still wasn't sure what to do next. He hadn't dated in more than 20 years, and he felt as unsure of himself as he had in high school, especially with her. Maybe I should ask her to dinner, or maybe I should make some big romantic gesture, or maybe we could just get one hotel room at the marathon, he thought, unable to stop a smile from spreading across his face. The chicken stew is really good, Dad, Lacey said, interrupting his thoughts. This was actually frozen? He refocused on dinner as he broke apart a large piece of chicken with his spoon. Yeah, your grandma and I put up several containers of it a few weeks ago. Turned out pretty good, with the vegetables and everything from the garden. This is Grana's? It seems like it has a different flavor than hers usually does. Webb grinned. Well, I don't add nearly as much pepper. You know how she likes to spice up recipes. She'll sneak in extra jalapenos if you're not careful. So are you ready for Sunday? Think your old man legs are going to hold out? Lacey teased. Yeah, I think so, he said. Been a few years, but I think I've got another race or two in me. Hey, you want to go with us? He wasn't sure what had prompted him to ask. But as the idea of sharing a hotel room with Jamie crept into his mind again, he realized it actually might not be a bad idea to have a chaperone of sorts. She looked confused. What, to the marathon? I don't really run. Not to run, he replied. I mean, there are cheering sections along the route and at the end. It'd be cool if you were there waiting for us. I'll treat you to dinner Saturday night and pretend to be interested when you and Jamie talk about interviewing strategies. Maybe, she smiled. Then her expression turned more serious. If I'm not too much of a third wheel. Third wheel, he felt himself blush. Yeah, she said quietly. Seems like things are kind of heading in that direction. Remembering the feel of Jamie's leg under his hand that morning, and how she'd closed her eyes when his hand slid down her face, he took a deep breath. Um, well, you might be right about that, he said, reddening. Not the third wheel part, but the, um, I, I mean, well, if it is going in that direction, I mean, 
how um how would you feel about it? Honestly, kind of weird. But I guess, well, I guess I'd also rather it be Jamie than anybody else. Yeah? She's been really great this year, Lacey said. About a lot of things. She's super smart, but still easy to talk to about stuff. He nodded. I've always thought that too. So, I mean, it might still take me a while to get used to the idea, but I know you're an actual person. Thanks, he said. They both laughed. But, hey, there's something I should probably talk to you about, too, she started. Anytime, he replied. But just so we're clear, nothing's really happened with Jamie yet, okay? I know this is a big deal, and I want to handle things the right way. I don't want to mess up this time. Lacey dropped her head and poked at her stew. I want to try to make things right, he said softly. After your mom, I still feel... Okay, she interrupted, raising her eyes to meet his. And... Okay, on the marathon, too. That actually sounds kind of fun. She abruptly stood. You finished already? He asked. Weren't you going to tell me something? I, um, I, I have some school stuff I need to work on, so I'll just stick this in the fridge for later. We can talk another time. Okay, he grinned as his thoughts returned to the race he was about to run with the woman of his dreams. His relationship with his daughter was getting back on track and he couldn't believe things were starting to go in the right direction again. He must have done something right.